We read God's Word in Philippians 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odeus, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Unto our God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Call your attention to the 19th verse. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
The Apostle Paul, sitting in prison in Rome, had needs. He had material needs on the one hand, for the prisons of those days were not the sort in which clothing and food, especially a great quality of food and great abundance, and all other sorts of earthly things were simply given. But it was up to the prisoner and any who were the prisoner's relatives to take care of his basic earthly needs. In addition, he had a spiritual need, especially the spiritual need of the communion of saints. Paul, who had been free to go about the country and the empire, who had been free to go to various churches, and in every church that he went to, found saints willing to fellowship with him, delighting in his fellowship, is sitting now in prison. He is not free to go seek saints. They must come to him if he's going to have communion of saints. Paul's needs were supplied by the saints in Philippi. They were an outward-minded church. Maybe in some sense, in that respect, a bit like First Church. It is a history of doing mission work and supporting and leading the church's mission work, for instance, in Jamaica and the Reformed Witness Hour. A church, Philippi was, that was outwardly minded and desired the support of the gospel and the spread of the gospel in other places. And so Paul is in prison, and through Epaphroditus, they send him a gift, a material gift of some sort, and through Epaphroditus, they also assure him of their love. And he visits with Epaphroditus, and both his needs are supplied, material and spiritual. And in the book of Philippians, he writes a thank you letter. He says in the last part of the letter, the chapter that we read, I do thank you for the material gift you've given me, and yet you must understand something. I have learned to say that whether I'm full or hungry, whether I'm naked or clothed, I have enough. I've learned to say that my God gives me what I need for the day, not as I viewed my need, but as He determined my need, and He supplied that need in abundance, even when I had, from an earthly viewpoint, just a little. That, first of all, I've had enough. Yet, thank you for the gift you've given, and now you have a need too. You have a great need, church in Philippi and congregation of First Protestant Formed Church. And don't be afraid that that need will go unmet. For my God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It is a fitting word to hear this morning when we are conscious, acutely conscious, of our need, when we hurt, when we are discouraged. And it is a word that comes, not just from me, but comes from Jehovah God Himself. As the words of the apostles were really the words of Jehovah to the church, 
A word then that I pray the Holy Spirit impresses on your heart, comforts you with, and builds you up with, your God, who is also my God, shall supply your need. I call your attention to the text under the theme, All Our Need Supplied. Notice first, great needs. Secondly, abundant provision. And thirdly, reassuring promise. The text gives us an opportunity, which we don't want to dwell on at great length, of remembering what our needs really are. On the one hand, we can categorize all of our needs into the material and into the spiritual categories. But at bottom, whether it's material or spiritual, our need in any circumstance, whether it's an individual or a congregation, is not for what we think we could have, and if we had this, we could do this, or we could do that for God and for His cause and His kingdom. In other words, our need is not our need as we determine it. And that's a mistake we so often make, imagining that I need this, I need that. Sometimes my need is really just a want that I'm trying to piously justify. Other times my need, as I envision it, is a genuine lack that I have, which if God were to supply, I could serve Him better. The Apostle spoke of that now in the Epistle to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 12, when he referred to his thorn in the flesh. And if just the Lord would take that thorn away, he considered that a need, how much more could he do? But the point of my bringing this up and explaining what our need really is, and even what the Lord reminded Paul of in in 2 Corinthians 12, is that we do not define our need. We recognize our need. Yes, the child of God must recognize his true needs, but we do not define our need Jehovah defines our need. Our need is not for what we think. It is for what He says we must have. To serve Him not as we imagine we could or should, but to serve Him as He raised us up to do. That means that with regard to our physical needs, they are of course very simple. I bring in physical and material needs because it is the context, and so it can also be brought up in this sermon. Our Lord reminded us in the fourth petition to pray just for our daily bread. As for strength, seek strength only for today. As for material gifts, seek just enough to use for the day. But with regard to our spiritual needs, if the earthly are so simple... Our spiritual needs are many, varied, complex, and great. And that's the emphasis I want to bring out of the text, both because that is also the point the Apostle is making, not just you gave me money, don't worry, you'll have enough to pay your bills to, but Paul always, as he looked at the church of Jesus Christ, viewed her as a spiritually needy body. And he does here, and it's that aspect of need too 
that's foundational or fundamental for us today. Our need is for the grace of God to hallow His name, to seek the coming of His kingdom, and to do His will. And because the pronoun in each of those was His, our need is to renounce, to get rid of the thinking that's so deeply embedded in us that it's my name, my kingdom, or my place in that kingdom, my will that is the great and all-important thing, and to remember that it's His. Now this already helps put the text in a frame or in, a, in such a way that we can see in the end the reassuring promise. It, it tells us that the Lord knows what He's doing. That He from all eternity determined every event in the life of the church of Jesus Christ and in every particular congregation. That He determined from all eternity all of the trials and troubles that His people would endure as a congregation, as a church and body of Christ universally, and as individual families and members. And that He determined all of these things with a view finally to the satisfying of our greatest need, bringing a cursed, depraved, Sinner to heaven. Now remember that sin is at the root then of our basic need. And that's what we so often forget. Though we're conscious of our sins, though we ask for the forgiveness of our sins, seek grace to fight against sin, we forget that it is why we have these needs. We are sinners. As sinners cut off from God's fellowship in Adam and deserving forever to be cut off from God's fellowship to all eternity, as sinners deserving to endure the curse and wrath of God now and forever, as sinners whom God has ordained to heavenly life, we need Every trial God gives to prepare us for heaven. And you and I would never have said, I need a trial. Every one of us would have said, that's the very thing I don't need. I have enough of those. And yet the Lord says, He determines our need. And this is part of our need. Let's be specific. What are our needs today? There is in the first place, of course, the need to hear and bear patiently in hearing the news that a pastor-congregation relationship is severed. Rarely is that an occasion for joy in any true church of Jesus Christ. Usually, when the pastor especially has been a dedicated and a faithful pastor, that is an occasion for grief. And so also today. In the second place, 
Our need is to know that in the days, weeks, and months ahead, in our vacancy, Jehovah will provide. We might wonder sometimes, what now? Who next? We look at the many vacancies that already exist, and we say, why yet another? And how soon will the Lord provide ours? And there are not answers to the specific questions today, but there is this word, God knows your need. He knows it. Not just because off in heaven, He happened to see events unfolding and now recognizes, oh, there's a need. He knows it because He determined it. And He governed all the circumstances of life to put us right now in the situation in which we find ourselves. In third place, one of our needs today is to have grace and wisdom in answering the questions. The questions for which really there is no specific answer. Why? Why did He do this? Why did He do it to us? Why did He do it now? And part of our need is to be able to grieve, and in grieving to ask the right questions, the right questions, and yet not insist or allege that God has made a mistake. That's part of our need. The need then for wisdom, the need to govern our tongue. And guard our lips. The need not to react in anger. The need to humble ourselves under the chastening hand of God. Those are part of our needs today. In addition, the needs of this congregation today remain the same as the needs of God's church throughout the length and breadth of the earth. We need the grace today To hear the gospel again, to be built up in love, in fellowship, in hope in Jehovah God. We need the grace to leave here presently and be able to say to each one of us gathered here, I love you and I seek your good in Jesus Christ and I will give of myself for that good however I can. We need the grace to praise Jehovah God. We need also this. A day and age in which Satan is clearly troubling the church of Jesus Christ, we need grace to be strong spiritually and persevere. I don't suggest that I've given an exhaustive list of our needs. I have, however, endeavored to make them specific. So that when we come to God... And hear the word that comes from Him. And in turn, when we pray to Him, we can do so with understanding and with a clear idea of what our needs are and what needs they are of which Jehovah is saying, I will supply them. But before we notice the abundant provision, we need yet to emphasize how great these needs are. For the Apostle Paul, of course, because as I said, He had no other way of supplying his earthly needs 
or his need for the communion of saints. There were servants, uh, rather jailers, chained to him or taking care of him. And he could speak to them. He could have human companionship in as much as one in bars has that with his guards. But the true and deep communion of saints, Jehovah must provide. His needs were great. So were the Philippians, for they were at this time poor. That's why he says that they provided for him out of the depth of their own poverty. They were not a wealthy church. Corinth was a wealthy church. It seemed as if the wealthy churches didn't notice the need of the apostle, but the churches that were themselves poor as regards material needs were willing to give of themselves. And that's what the church in Philippi did. So there is a reminder to them that God will supply also their earthly needs, which were great at the moment. But why are our spiritual needs so great? Why are the needs of this congregation today so great? It comes down again to this. They are so great because if God does not meet and supply these needs, we will not and cannot have the enjoyment of covenant fellowship with Him, of life everlasting. If he does not supply these needs, we will not and cannot have in a concrete way in our own life the proof, the evidence of his love for us. It is, of course, the desire of the devil that God not supply these needs. It is the desire of Satan today that what you heard about the news of Reverend Klein, be to you a reason to say, I am finished with church. This is too much. My own minister isn't committed to me. He's going to leave midship. Why should I stay? And our need is to remember that in the church of Jesus Christ, the body for whom he died, Christ works. Oh, we need the church and the ministry of the gospel. There are some, in fact it's human nature, who mean and want to deny the greatness of a need. Go to somebody sometime and you say to them, I hear this is a trial through which you're being led. And sometimes they come off almost as if they're minimizing it. Yeah, but the apostle isn't doing that, and you and I don't need to do that today. We don't need to say, yeah, but we may grieve. We may acknowledge how shaken we are and how great the need is. And that acknowledgement prepares us to hear, secondly, about the abundant provision. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
It is not only the supplying of the need, but the abundance of the supply that the Apostle is meaning to impress on the saints here and that you and I need to hear this morning. And the abundance comes out in two ways. In the first place, all your need. Every need. Do you ever go through life supposing that Jehovah God has supplied 90% of your needs, but He apparently is unaware of another 10%? That is not the case. My God shall supply all your need. When we think He's overlooking a need of ours, once again, the real problem is how we evaluate our needs and define them. The problem is in our thinking. He has. He will supply each. In the second place, the abundance of this provision comes out in the word translated supply. The word suggests that Jehovah will fill up that need. It isn't then that he sees every empty cup and he pours each of them, all your need, half full, but every empty cup he fills to the brim and overflows. That's the promise of God here in the text. You and I are empty, and Jehovah is telling us through his apostle that he sees us as empty and will fill us to overflowing with regard to every need. Because that seems not to be the experience of the child of God, And it seems at times that we have needs either completely unmet or only partially met. We have to ask two questions. The first question is, how does God abundantly supply our needs? And the second is, when is he going to do that? As regards the first The how, the answer is that as regards our material needs, He supplies them in His providence. But as regards our spiritual needs, the text says, How? According to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And now you and I are appointed, as the Gospel always points us, to the one. The absolute one and only who is our mediator, our Savior, our friend who never leaves us nor forsakes us, Jesus Christ. Father and mother forsake sometimes, the psalmist acknowledged in Psalm 27, but the Lord will not. And the proof that in all of our needs, our Lord Jesus Christ has not forsaken us is exactly this. That He, 2,000 years ago, who was truly God, became man. And you can't right now, and He won't right now, unchange His becoming man. That He became man... And took upon him not just the form of men, men generally, the greatest of men, the princes of men and the kings, but the form of a servant. He came to do the will of God. And you can't now, and he won't now, 2,000 years later, decide not to be a servant. That taking on himself the form of a servant, he gave himself to death. Sinners who deserve death 
who could not atone for God's wrath and satisfy His justice on our own, Jesus Christ came down to do it for us. And He will not now and cannot now, 2,000 years later, negate the work He did in dying. And the death was the death of the cross. The accursed death. The death for criminals. Yet He knew no sin. He took your sins and mine on Himself. And he bore the wrath of God in full. He rose again the third day. He sits at the right hand of Jehovah God, received the Holy Spirit, and pours that Holy Spirit out on the church of Jesus Christ, so that from Jesus Christ, seated at God's right hand, comes an unending, inexhaustible supply of riches. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So another reason why the supply of our need is so abundant is that the resources of Jehovah God never deplete. There might be a rich man who seems to have plenty of money for those who are poor, and the poor come to him again and again and ask him for money, and because he's a benevolent man, he meets their need again and again, and finally they come to him and he says, but even though I had such a vast amount of money, it was limited, and now it's all gone. I can't help you. Never so. Jesus Christ. The riches which he has are infinite. The blessings he earned for sinners in dying on the cross are without bound and end. And that means on the one hand that never will there come a point where God says to us, until now I've given you as much as I could and you've been full, but now I have no more. He will to all eternity give us more and more and more. And the second place that they're infinite means that even now, in receiving them, I have enough. And again, tomorrow we'll have enough. And again, the next day we'll have enough. According to, that is, in measure or relation to the greatness, the infiniteness of His riches, he will supply our need. What a word for a sinner whose need is infinite. How can an infinite need ever be supplied? My mind can't wrap itself around that, not speaking humanly, nor can yours. We're finite beings. An infinite need cannot be supplied with anything finite, but our infinite need for the grace of God in Jesus Christ will be supplied in infinite measure because the resources are exhaustless. And this happens by Christ Jesus. Which is not merely to say what I've said already, that it happens on the basis of His work, but it happens through Him. These things come from Him. Where does He give them? In the church. Church of Jesus Christ 
needs pastors. Through pastors, God is pleased to provide for her needs. And yet there are many times throughout the history of the church, not only in reformed churches that learn to experience a vacancy here or there, but other times in other places in the church of Jesus Christ where there has not been a pastor. And the Lord by that is reminding the congregation, you still have who you need. You have Jesus Christ. Not that a pastor isn't what you need, but that even in your vacancy, your need is taken care of. Now I want to drive that point home, that Jehovah God provides for our needs by Christ Jesus through His Word and Spirit in the church of Christ. I want to drive that point home. So that if there be any who say, I'm finished with church now, I'm giving up, you have a correction to your thinking. That person who, in a moment of frustration or deep emotion, cuts off his lifeline. That person, in a moment of great need and danger, who cuts off any resources by which he can be saved, is doomed. But our needs are going to be supplied by Jesus Christ. And Satan, who makes a mockery of it, who knows it full well, and therefore wants us to conclude, I am finished with church, Satan will not prevail. God will prevail, and his purpose is in Jesus Christ. He will supply your need as you and I remain faithful to him and to the bride for which Christ died, and to the body, the congregation of which we are part. And as we say, If there's anything I need today above all else, I need the Word of God as it comes in the Scriptures, in the preaching of the Gospel, as it's driven home to my heart by the Holy Spirit. Do not cut yourself off from that lifeline. When will God supply these needs? Well, He does so now. There's a promise here, my God shall, and the point of the shall, it is a future tense verb, but the point of it is not so much to say, he's not going to now, keep waiting, keep waiting, someday he's going to supply them. The point of the verb is to say, be assured, he is supplying them already now. Israel in the wilderness understood that. She wasn't in heaven yet, in Canaan rather. The Lord supplied her needs day by day. Paul in prison understands that. It's the reason why he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Today, in prison, I am full and abound. And so the church of Jesus Christ and every child of God, though beat down and lying bruised, says, 
my God will supply my need today. But also in answer to the question when, we have to say the Lord does so continually. He does so today, but He does not stop today. He does so tomorrow. He will do so forever. And He will do so finally into the day of the return of Jesus Christ. So there is a hope for a future day. There is a, 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 a waiting for Jehovah God to fulfill this part of His promise in greater measure. We are longing for that day when we are in heaven. And it's not true that in heaven we will have no needs. We will still be humans. But what is true is that in heaven we will see that every need is abundantly supplied by Jehovah God and by Christ Jesus. That we are filled to the full and overflowing. Now because this is the promise that comes to us, you and I must make it our confession that I begin already now to experience the filling up of my emptiness. To drive that point home, the Apostle makes a promise, a reassuring promise, but my God shall supply all your need. And in making this promise, the Apostle points the Philippians, first of all, to the grace of God. There is no sinner who deserves a promise like this to come to them. And in fact, that's the reason why, again, Satan would work in some to say, as they hear a promise like this, it can't be true for me. My sins are too great. It cannot be that God so loves me. And yet, this is exactly the point the Apostle is making. The grace of God. His favor, undeserved and unmerited for sinners, manifests itself again and again, day in and day out from the rising of the sun to the setting thereof, and all through the night, He's gracious with a view to bringing us to enjoy His fellowship. In the second place, the Apostle is driving home the power of God. My God shall look to nobody else. No one else has such power. All others are creatures, though it be an angel in heaven. Only God has this power. And in third place, the Apostle is pointing the Philippians to the faithfulness of God. And here the Apostle speaks from experience. He was, after all, the one who was converted on the road to Damascus. Converted from being the greatest persecutor and destroyer of Christians. He knew the grace of God. He was therefore the one who was converted really from that mentality that man's works can contribute to all that a man's needs. That ultimately it's up to you and to me, work harder, try harder, and he sees all those to be impotent, It is God's power. He knows it from experience. And then, again, it was to the Corinthians that he wrote of the many sufferings that he endured on behalf of the cause of Christ. In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one, 
Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Oh, he had great needs, and his God, his God supplied them all. He knows the faithfulness of this God. When you and I come to one another with reassuring promises like this, then it behooves us also not just to send out or or spit out a Bible verse, although, of course, we must bring the Word of God. That I'm not uh, questioning. But to bring a verse that has reassured us at one point in our own life. A word that encouraged us and built us up and enabled us to persevere and to live a godly life. And that's what the Apostle is really doing here. And that's why he says it's my God. The same God, of course. My God is your God. But my God, the one who was with me in all of these troubles and in all of these trials, who never left me or left me empty, this God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The promise reassures Do you doubt it? Do you say, yes, that's happened before in my life that God supplied my needs, but this one is too great? No, you've forgotten then. My God. You say, yes, but this one is too personal, the hurt is too deep. Remember your God. The basis for the promise is once again this. I've developed it already, so I'm just going to remind us of it. Having sent Christ, God cannot undo all that Christ did. It isn't God's intent to undo it either. He who sees the end from the beginning... He who says the death of Christ is necessary. He who says the sufferings of the saints are necessary. Who, he who gives us to see our need so that we cry out to Him for the fulfilling of that need. He says to us, yes. Yes, my child. Yes. I see. And I will supply. Be reassured. Go forward in faith. There are questions for which there are not earthly answers, but God knows why He does what He does. As for you, trust Him. Rely on Him with confidence. Turn to Him again and again in your need. And when you're discouraged, go to His Word 
and go to other saints who will bring you his word as, the, as Paul brings it to the Philippians. And then, finally, this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, assure us that the promise that we have in our text is thy word to us, and that it expresses what thou dost genuinely intend to do. In the times of suffering, grief, discouragement, give us to find in thee a God who holds up, builds up, preserves, because it is thy will to bring sinners into fellowship with thee, and thy will to prepare us for heaven where that fellowship will be sweet, uninterrupted by sin, and everlasting. Oh, even though today is a difficult day for us, may today be a foretaste of that eternal rest. For Christ's sake, amen.